Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. I want to give a message this morning, just a one-time message, because uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, Don, Pastor Don will be preaching, and then um, Pastor Brandon will be preaching on the first weekend of June. Savila and I will be at uh, teaching a a marriage conference and speaking at experiencechurch.tv in Puyallup. And so we will be there. And so a lot of good things happening and coming up. So this morning, I want to talk about five myths about the church. Myth, I was going to call it myth busters. (laughs) Myth busters. So allow me to introduce you to the Tate family. Um, they were very active in their church. And I want, want you to hear a little bit about the family members' roles. There is old man Dick Tate who wants to run the show. While Uncle Rio Tate always tries to change it. Their sister, Agitate, stirs up plenty of trouble with the help of her husband, Irritate. Whenever new projects are suggested, Hesitate wants to wait until next year. Let's not build a fence in the back. Right? Then there's Aunt Imitate, who wants her church to be just like all the others. Then there's Devastate, or Devastate, always provides a cautionary voice of doom. But not all the family members are bad. Brother Felicitate is quite helpful in getting things done, especially when cousin Meditate helps him think things over. All of them, of course, are quite worried about the black sheep of the family, Amputate, who has cut himself off from the church. <laughs> Ah, church, church, church. You know, people have fun making fun of the church. And you know that, especially living here in the Northwest, in Portland. Um, Like all comedy, the truth is stretched and exaggerated to the point of misrepresentation. And the reasons are people can be angry at the church, and justifiably so. They can be disappointed at the church. Perhaps they've had a harmful experience. It can, it can happen to one person. One person uh, can, can literally, literally lead a whole generation to dissociate themselves from the church because of their, their negative experience that happened or their so-called negative experience. Um, uh, you know, the pastor wouldn't answer their question or give them time or a member treated them badly or the message from the pulpit was misheard or misunderstood or maybe it was just plain wrong. But I truly believe that there is an all-out, I call it a nuclear spiritual war to get you out of the church. Because the devil knows that if you ever, ever get planted in a church you're going to start to flourish and things will start happening in your lives. 
And so the whole war of undermining the value of church is on. There is a battle, I call it a nuclear spiritual battle, raging against you to undermine the value of being planted and being involved in a local church. Because if you ever do, watch out. Amen? And um, I, I, I've seen it, like I said, during the offering. I've seen it over the years of 30 years in ministry. I've seen the families who kind of are planted in the church. I see those who come, um, you know, once every now and then, you know, Sunday, Easter kind of thing. And, and happily so, I'm glad they're here. They'll greet me at the Easter egg hunt every year. Hey, Pastor Bob, we're here. I'm like, hey. You know, they'll see me in the store. Hey, Pastor Bob. And they're like, that's my pastor. Okay. But what I've truly seen is this, that those who have committed themselves to their local church over the decades, I see their, their kids blessed. I see their families blessed. Their finances blessed. They're not perfect. I'm not talking about perfect. But, but I, I just see progress in their lives. Um. I see how they handle problems and, and situations and I see them applying wisdom. And, I, and, I, and, I, and if I look at them now as compared to 30 years ago, even some of our, our friends from our other church that we came from in Tacoma, I see their, their kids who are younger, you know, they were just born, now graduating from, from high school and, you know, getting scholarships. And, and I know for a fact those families are planted still in that church. They've been going there for 25 years. Amazing. And so we, un- we underestimate the value of what God wants to do in our lives in the local church. See, the church was first and foremost called to win people. So what picture of the church do we paint? See, society has a twisted view. They, they judge us by how we act. And as a result, because of people's actions, the community's perception of the church is that we underachieve. And, and I know that there's many lies out there. There's many lies about many things, you know. Uh, you know, it, it seems in the political world... We can, we can actually tell a lie, and the more we tell the lie, it becomes truth, supposedly, and people believe that truth without ever, you know, discovering what the actual facts are. Because everything's true on the internet, right? I mean, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. And so I truly believe that this is, this is the dumbing down of America. Um where we don't, we don't take the time to research things out for ourselves. That can also be dangerous in the church. Don't believe what I say. Discover it for yourself. If you only believe what I say, I mean, that would be worse than some kind of religious church, religious, you know, ceremonial church where you just kind of believe what the pastor says and you never actually go research it out for yourself. Go look at the scriptures. 
do a, do a double check on me. Amen? And I know why you're here, because I mostly, you know, 95% of it's true what I say, right? You know, the other 5% is, 5% is my opinion. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, we have to have our own personal relationship with Christ. And it's through that personal relationship that the church thrives. And the church achieves what it's supposed to achieve. And um, I think sometimes the church underachieves. And the question is, would we stand up and cheer for our church? And would we invite our friends to be a part of an underachieving, underachieving organization? We wouldn't. We would be embarrassed about that organization. We, we wouldn't want to ask our neighbors to, to get involved in your little league team because it's not organized and you'd be embarrassed about it. And there's only a small percentage of people that would actually go to an underachieving organization because they're going to help it be better. Most people don't have the time to do that. You guys there with me? So what's God's vision? God's vision, God wants the church to move. God wants the church to be involved in the community. God wants the church to be loving and embracing and full of mercy. He wants the church to be real. God wants the church to influence community, state, nation, and world. I like this one. God wants the church to be exciting and fun. Woo! We had worship night Wednesday night. We had fun. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll do those every now and then, but come, you know. Sunday mornings are different. We don't have a lot of time, but we, we were prophesying to people, praying over people, speaking words over people. Was, we've seen some people get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's fun. When the people think about the church, they should think about the church as inspiring, encouraging, and freeing. So how can we influence the thinking of people? Because many times our expectations of church are based on myths and not facts. So I just want to do some myth busters today. I want to debunk these myths. You guys ready? Taking notes? Myth number one is this. Going to church will make everything perfect in my life. You guys are all perfect, right? <laughs> you know, because Sundays are so perfect, aren't they? <laughs> Picture the perfect Sunday morning. You guys ready? You, get, you wake up well-rested to the sound of birds singing. Like this morning, no rain. Can anybody say amen? Hallelujah. It's going to be like 80 degrees. Beautiful day. That's why we, we, we know for a fact half the church is at the beach this morning. All right. Okay, so you leave your house and you enter into God's house. Mm. The band is like right on, especially with Ben leading it, right? Like the band is in the pocket, we call it. Amen? The songs are great, anointed, powerful, edifying. People look so nice dressed in their best, looking good, right? And the order of service proceeds step-by-step step on cue just like it's supposed to. We play videos 
and the volume actually starts when the video starts. Woo! Huh. Things are happening, you know? The, the words are flipping on the screen when they're supposed to and you're not frustrated. Things are going perfect in church. So happy making Pastor Bob happy. The pastor smiles and uh, he promises that God loves you and forgives you. <laughs> I mean, it's literally a taste of heaven, right? You visit friends afterwards and you, you, you plan to go out, walk across the street and go out to eat some good Thai food. And it's just the most perfect day. But then you go out to eat and you get a bad server. The food is cold. The server doesn't fill your water and you're getting irritated. The children are rioting at the table and then the credit card is not accepted. So you got to do dishes in the kitchen. (laughs) Or you get home and the crock pot has overflowed all over the kitchen, right? Junior slips on the mess and cracks his head on the kitchen table and the dog won't stop barking. Your computer crashes and, you're, and, and, and the Timbers game is on and the Timbers lose that day, right? Or Seahawks or whatever the season is. But you think to yourself, wait a minute, this is Sunday. Not supposed to be this way. So you decide, well, I'm going to go mow the lawn. And you go out and there's no gas. Frustrating. Now you got to get your clothes back on. You got to go to the gas station and get gas and bring it. Or you decide to barbecue and in the middle of your $10 steaks, the propane runs out. Frustrating. <laughs> oh. Well, folks, welcome to our first myth. When those who think that going to church will make everything perfect experience the imperfect, then the house of cards falls. Then they stop going to church because they think it's not working. In this way, people rob themselves of God's blessings, all because of a myth. Going to church doesn't make everything perfect in your life. As a matter of fact, if you look at Paul when he was writing to the Ephesians, we call Paul the super apostle, right? The missionary, the writer of many books, but he wrote most of these letters in prison. Do you call that perfect? He talks about here, one of the scriptures we talk about in the men's breakfast is bearing with one another in love. Well, you don't have to bear with somebody if they're perfect, Right? You bear with the imperfect. And even church-going Christians have imperfect lives, imperfect situations at work, imperfect spouses. Just waiting for my wife to say amen. And an imperfect sickness of mind and body. Going to church doesn't somehow make us perfectly immune to displeasure or disappointment, but it does provide, listen, a peaceful disposition that gets us through troubled times. An an overbearing boss or friend, an unreasonable husband or wife or parent, an unexplainable streak of bad timing for for the last month of your life or unstoppable pain is not perfect. And going to church won't necessarily fix all that. 
But going to church will help you bear with it by providing the peace and guidance needed from God. Happiness for the churchgoer doesn't, doesn't mean still in silent waters all the time. No, happiness means the stability and security of a boat built by God that sails safely through the storms to the other side. That's how Paul could speak so calmly and confidently while in prison. And that's how you and I can bear with what we're going through. God's ultimate answer for Paul wasn't always a powerful escape, but often a peaceful endurance. And Psalm 34, 19 says this, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. We live in a culture that is not ruled by God. Our culture and our environment is ruled by demonic powers that want to steal, kill, and destroy from you. But as we walk in faith, he has given us the authority to overcome the world and to overcome situations and problems that we all have and we all struggle with. Second myth is this. Church is someplace you go once a week. Church is someplace you go once a week. A common phrase Christians, where are you going? I'm going to church. Let's go to church. Just get me to the church on time. It's a common phrase in our culture that everyone understands. When you drive by the building, you drive by and say, hey, that's my church. And these buildings, you know, buildings aren't used very much. As, like this building sits empty most of the time during the week. And thank God for the building, right? Thank God we have a, a common place to meet. But this building is not the church. This building is someplace where we just come to, to gather together in, to worship together, which we're commanded to do. And one of the main reasons why we come here is so we can encourage one another. Encourage each other that are going through trials and situations and problems in our lives. Anyone who thinks that the church is simply something you do on Sunday morning has a severely limited expectation of what the church is all about. Church isn't just someplace you go to, but some, it's who we are. We are the church. Church is more than an institution, it's an identity. Church isn't an it, but it's an us. Church just just isn't here. It's not just a building, but it's here in our heart. So that means the encouragement, the inspiration, and the strength you receive from God on Sunday mornings and and the heart-lifting praise you offer to God on Sunday mornings can also happen Monday through Friday and even on Saturday. You were called, the Bible says, to one hope when you are called. Paul reminds us of this. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's not one hope you have here in this building and then a different hope that you have out there when you leave. There's only one thing needful for you to meet the challenges of the week and you carry it with you when you walk out these doors. Sealed faith in a God who stands taller than the tallest threat, who sifts through the most confusing problems in the world 
and whose strong, long arm reaches down to you in your deepest need. Matthew chapter 5 says this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The scripture is really personal to me because I remember as a young teenager going to a, a, a Christian retreat and my counselor, I was a bit rebellious, and my counselor was trying to encourage me with scripture. This was a Catholic retreat. And um, it's probably my first um, introduction to heartfelt born-again Christians at this retreat, young people. And at the end of the retreat, they gave us little cards and they wrote personal notes, little, you know, you call them prophecies. They were encouraging personal notes. And my counselor put this scripture on that card. And he's basically saying, let your light shine. Don't hide your light. I'll never forget that. How many know the seed of the word is powerful? I'll never forget that decades ago. How that word has affected my life. Myth number three. says, I don't need some church telling me who God is. <laughs> Oh, come on now. Has anybody ever been lost out there? Meaning, finding directions? Mm-hmm. Come on now, y'all lying if you haven't been lost. We've all been lost. You know, you know when I used to buy things off Craigslist, you know, you would call first, you know, prior to the internet, you know, you map quest and all that, and you would write down directions, left here, right there, and then you try to find the house to go wherever it was. But then was the invention of MapQuest. You guys remember MapQuest? I know it's still available, but nobody uses it anymore because we all use GPS, right? But we, I used to find the address of the home that I wanted to go buy this piece of furniture at, and um, I would print out all the sheets, I would print out a big sheet overlooking, you know, the whole area of the city. Then I'd print out smaller ones of the neighborhood that I had to find the house. Now all you do is just kind of type in the address and uh, this lady talks to you, who sounds really cool, right? (laughs) And tells you where to go. But we've all been lost. We all need directions, right? The... The majority of the people in the world will never admit that they're lost, but they're desperately looking for direction. And the church is a public address system saying, hey, if you're lost, you can be found. If you're blind, we will help you see. Why? Because the only way to even get to God is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, if you read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul was talking about the church. And he talked about what the Lord has done as far as setting up the church. What's the purpose of the church? 
He said in verse 11, in chapter 4, it said, It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And the reason for that was this, to prepare God's people for works of service, to teach them, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole fullness, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what does this reveal to us? This reveals to us that when, when we first become Christians, when I first became a Christian, I, know, I knew nothing. I mean, I barely read the Bible growing up. I listened to, to, the, to the priest give his little messages, and I learned a few scriptures here and there, but I knew nothing. I was a, we call him a baby in Christ. And so I needed to, like I was growing up physically, the Bible references growing up spiritually. There's spiritual growth. And that spiritual growth continues all the days of your life. That's why we got to continually stay hungry, continually stay desiring him, continually be in his word. Because I want to grow up to the, to the measure of the fullness of Christ. So we need teaching. That's why God gave teachers. That's why he gave pastors. That's why he gave evangelists. He gave these people as gifts to the body of Christ, to teach the body of Christ so that we all can grow up and and reach our full potential in him. If you go to verse 17, he continues on. Paul says, so I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. What's our job as Christians? Our job as Christians is to not harden our heart. Because it's easy to do. It's easy to misunderstand Scripture. It's easy to misunderstand God sometimes. It's easy to get mad at God. It's easy to harden our hearts. It's easy to to listen to differing opinions that, are, that really aren't biblical and harden our hearts. Our job is to not harden our hearts, to always keep them open and pliable, to always, to always be open to hear the message of the Lord, always open to hear what God wants us to do and how God wants us to act. It says in, it says in verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, Paul said, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Again, you were taught. It says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is not a one-time event. This is a daily purpose to be made new on a regular basis, to wake up and say, God, my life is yours. My life is in your hands. I thank you, Lord. I'm yielding to the new. I take off the old. I put on the new. 
I take off the old, I put on the new. Help me with the attitude of my minds, of my mind, one mind. See, the scriptures say this, people perish because of lack of knowledge. People perish because of lack of knowledge. One of the most dangerous places to be in life is to get to the place where you think you know it all and you stop learning. Well, I don't want to go to that church. I heard everything that pastor wants to say. I could, I could preach it myself. I could be a pastor myself. Well, why don't you? It's not that easy. Myth number four. Church is boring. Yes, admittedly, many churches are. I grew up in boring church and I refuse to go back. Many churches, they all want their members to look the same, be the same, do the same every time they come. This, this is not robotic Christianity. God made us different for a purpose. <laughs> different physically, different mentally, our personalities, our gifts, our talents. See, church is boring when all that takes place is a one-man show and it's built around the inflated ego of a pastor. And all you do is come, sit, receive, and not do. Where church can be so boring when the music is so dated that the people buried in the graveyard outside are the only ones tapping their feet. It's true. When we expect everyone to be like everyone else and do not respect and value their differences and abilities, church can be boring. You know what's amazing is we have so many people here from so many different church backgrounds and different places in the country, and we actually get along with each other. One of the reasons for that here at this church is we do not major on minor issues. There's a lot of little things that, you know, people would bring up in here that has nothing to do really with our salvation. And, and if you want to believe that way, that's fine. You know, it's not going to send you to hell or anything. You know, and it has nothing to do with the big picture. But the most important thing is that we all believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He died on the cross for us. He went to hell for us, took our place, and he rose again. So the most important thing to keep unity, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what keeps us unified together. Well, what about this, Pastor Bob? Well, what about it? Well, how do you baptize, Pastor Bob? You're baptizing today. Well, how do you want me to baptize? Is there a magic formula? Some people say, well, I believe in being baptized in Jesus' name only. Well, yeah, I've seen some scriptures in that, but it also says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's no, like, magic words to say over people that are going to make it more meaningful. So you know what I did? That was one of the things that came up years ago. I just say both. Let's just cover the whole thing. On the authority of the name of Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Bang. Dunk them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so
So let's not make a big deal out of this because baptism doesn't save you. The man on the cross next to Jesus wasn't baptized and he went to heaven. Little things like this can bring division and cause splits in churches that shouldn't. Amen? Church is exciting when you come in and there are people here that are excited too. You come to the door, there are people there that really seem like they like being there. Amen? Instead of looking through you, they genuinely welcome you and make you feel happy that you're there. Amen? Hallelujah. The message is relevant and applicable to our everyday lives. I can actually leave here and I can live it out. Christianity during the week from the knowledge that I gained in church is amazing. People have have bought into the vision and you can sense it. There's direction, there's likeness of mind. You feel it, you sense it. It exudes from people by their demeanor. Everything about them says we are people of destiny. We found our purpose on this earth. We know why we're here. Church is scary when you don't know what to expect. You ever been to one of those churches? Ooh. When the people sitting in the pew seem to be more in control than the pastor in the pulpit. Unity is spiritual, not physical. Diversity, the diversity is physical and not spiritual. The result is a diversified portfolio of believers invested into God's mercy market, leaping off the charts together as we each contribute our particular talents and ideas to the collective body. The church is a place for everyone. And lastly, myth number five, church is a crutch for weak-minded fools. Have you heard that before? I don't need that church. You actually, you, you give 10% of your income to that church? What are you, crazy? <laughs> Ephesians, again, Ephesians chapter four and verse 14 says this. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Basically, what happens here in this portion of Scripture, in the section of Ephesians, it describes fools as tossed back and forth by the waves. It, it denotes instability or instability. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemes. Fools think they know it all, but they really don't. As Christians, we are wise with wisdom that the world cannot comprehend. Because as the spirit of wisdom, called, who's also another name for the Holy Spirit, he lives in us. And when we yield to him, he helps us on a daily basis to make decisions, to help us. Church is a place for individuals who have finally taken a public stand for what they believe in. Today, the church is one of the most persecuted institutions in the world. I won't say that. (laughs) 
to be a churchgoer or a member says to the majority population that I go to church because without Christ, I am lost and dying. And he holds the keys to death and life. I am taking a stand. You can mock and you can criticize all you want, but I will not budge. The word settles it and I believe it. A weak-minded fool is one that is inclusive and never has the guts to take a stand on anything for fear that someone will mock and challenge them in it. Therefore, the world is producing, our culture is producing a people that is putting up with sin and labeling it as an alternative lifestyle in the fear of offending each other. It's crazy. Our culture is just filled with craziness. Either you have control and authority over the spiritual realm through Christ, we have the authority over you. We have the wisdom of the creator who has revealed also to our hearts our purpose, our status, and our future. In our wisdom, we do lean on others. We share wisdom as we study his word. And I believe the church is filled with wise people like you guys, joined and held strongly together in unity by the love of Christ. This is not the church you think. Perhaps this can be our slogan. This is not the church you think. Leading members and non-members to rediscover the church and its message of salvation. That's our purpose. Through faith alone in Jesus Christ. There is only one way to get to heaven. And that is through Jesus Christ. Some people would think, you're so close-minded. I met some one a lady that I worked with, and um, she was talking about us being a conservative church, and her church is a progressive church. I was like, "Ooh!" I'm thinking to myself, "What does that mean?" <laughs> it's, the word "progressive" is not a good word in the church world. It's actually not a great word in the political world either. <laughs> No, we believe what we believe because this is what Jesus said. Amen? Doesn't mean we don't love people. But just because you disagree with people doesn't mean you don't love them. And that's so important to understand. We need people who, can, who have the, the guts to take a stand in what they believe in in this world because we know that it's a matter of eternal life. It's a matter of heaven and hell. And we do it with love, we do it with grace, and we do it with mercy. And we live to love people to Christ. That's how we do it. It's through love it will conquer. But there has to come a time when we're able to vocalize what we believe in and not budge from that. God is good, amen? The church is an amazing institution. And like I said... There is an all-out nuclear war to get you out of church. It doesn't happen overnight. 
Little by little, thoughts can come. People can say things. You can allow things that you've read to affect you. I've seen God bless people abundantly after going to church for decades and all of a sudden, you know, their business becomes more important than the church and they're not there. They don't recognize the value of how God got them to where they're at and and their, their commitment to the church diminishes. I'm not saying this today to benefit me. I truly believe what I'm saying 100% truly believe it because not only have we proved it in our own lives but I've seen it happen over and over again that those who are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our Lord is that digging in deep roots planted in the house God if this is the church that you've called me to I'm going to dig in deeper and I'm going to by faith believe you for more. It, we just did the, the next step class twice this week. And it's the same curriculum every time we've been doing for 15 years. And this last time, Monday night, we did it with a couple. And um, after we were done, the Holy Spirit just kind of showed up in the room. I was like, that's when I said to them, I said, there is an all-out nuclear war, spiritual war against you to get you out of the church to keep you out of the church because the devil knows that if you ever get planted watch out what God can do watch out what God can do amen God is good all the time this is a good pastoral message today <laughs>